Winging it with Painter and Rico. We don't know what episode it is, and we said that last week, and I'm saying it again, but our guest today, we've been trying to get him on for a long, long time, Tommy Saunders. Welcome, Tom. How are you? Uh, very good, Tony. Hello, Painter. Yeah, nice to see you, Tom. Looking forward to it, yeah. Can we, let, let's go back to the start, your playing days. Because you weren't a bad player, were you? I can't remember that far back, but yeah, I wouldn't have been up to your level anyway. So no. that's, I was all right. Yeah, I played um, sort of county football, like county level football for representative teams. Um, played over in Melksham for a long time when I was like 12, 13, 14, 15. And uh, the best player in our era was always uh, a kid called Ma- Matthew Bound. Yeah. So it's gone full circle and. Uh, me and Matt are back in touch after 30 years. He went on and played for Southampton in the Premier League and stopped Port Swansea. So he was the best player in, in, in my age group. But um, yeah, I was I was all right. I was left foot, lacked a yard of pace, to be honest. Went to Brentford on trials when I was 16 and uh, didn't get picked up. But yeah, it was all right, mate. Not too bad. Love playing? Uh, I, I played for some shit managers, if I'm honest. Right? <laughs> especially Especially... As I got to like 18, 19, 20 in around the Western League scene, and I just... In what way do you call them shit manager? Just two-faced, didn't, uh, didn't, didn't... Not tactically and stuff Yeah, like all that. of that. Yeah, yeah. All, just clueless. Just right. somehow got these jobs and um, just didn't... Just mess me about, really. I suppose I was a bit like Jay Lucas, really. I was in for four games and out and then I didn't hang around I want the sort of kiddie that was ever going to go somewhere and, and play in the reserves so that that was that was the end of that um, I made my debut for Melksham Town when I was 17 in the Western League under Mel Gingell which is um, Tyrone Wings' granddad and we're still very very close now me and Mel and probably about the worst person I could have learnt from but he was like my mentor absolute headbanger of a bloke Prop- Proper football blue, though, wasn't he? Yeah, but a head case, yeah. yeah. Uh, absolute <laughs> head case. And uh, just crazy. Some of the things he got me to do in front of the FA, lying for him and saving his bacon when he should have been banned for years. So I've become quite well attuned to going to disciplinary hearings, even if I wasn't even at the game, I would say I was, <laughs> just to, you know, get the old Sabutio board out and say where I was stood. So Mel was really like my mentor for a long time, and... Um, I learned some things from him, mostly about about his passion and his and his and his wanting to win, and how hard he would work to get players. And um, so you took a lot of that on board, then, didn't you? And your manager. I did take that on yeah. board. Yeah, you did. You certainly did. I was a pest as a manager. <laughs> I mean, if I, you know, let's move on to that in a bit. But in terms of the playing tone, it it was all right. I used to really really enjoy my uh, Sunday mornings. Um, my brother used to run a side called Biddeston. In, yeah. in the Chittenham and District League and um, whilst it might not sound too glamorous um, we had about 20 senior players signed on and our big rivals which is where the rivalry started was my good friend now Darren Perrin and his brother were involved with first of all Shaw and Whitley and then they changed their name to the Navy Tavern Right. and those games on a Sunday were way above Western League level they were just absolute humdingers and they would beat us we would beat them we would hate them they would hate us we would quite often fight them um and and it was not it was sometimes not great but 
that that was where it all started. Yeah, but we we've said in previous episodes, Dave. You know, the, the Sunday football back yeah. in the day, and we you know was real decent stuff with. And you'd always play on a Sunday, get drink out your system, blah blah blah. You know, we look forward to it. I think it's Sunday morning. But we, if I said to you, my business on Sunday side, I think probably five years later, six or seven, and then played for me at Wembley. Mm. That, that tells you how strong we were on a Sunday morning, and you used to have like the County Cup in those days as well. So us and the Navy Tavern were the big boys in the Chittenham League, and then there was a team called the Ground up in Swindon, and they were a lot of Supermarine players. But their star boy was a lad called Paul Hunt. Yeah, Oggy. Oggy, yeah. So he played for Forest Green. The boy could have played at any level he wanted, yeah. but he was always out there on a Sunday morning and yeah. just. Now, and he would have been pissed up on the Saturday night. Yeah, but he, he could be pissed up, and he's still, he's still. But the thing is, a lot of Sunday football, you want to play with your mates, didn't you? Yeah, you played did, your yeah. football on the Saturday for teams around different yeah. districts, maybe. But then on the Sunday, you want to play with your mate if you want on a contract. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and and so that, that that's another thing. Contracts. I put. I more or less bought them in in Wiltshire in yeah. the end. So I was assistant manager, if you like, but. But more or less running aside, but my brother was the front man and my brother had a few quid, so Mark Batters used to come over from Bristol and play in goal and Nick Tiley and I knew he was chucking them a fiver for their petrol just to make sure they turned up, but they were all my mates. Yeah. And what we had was a very special group of us that used to play six aside, right, in the summer. Believe it or not, I used to be the goalie. The old... So you see this sweeper-keeper now. So who was, it, who was in that six? Um, you would have had lads like uh, one boy was an in called Derek Walk who went to um, lives in New York now went, he had played for Rovers youth team when he was 15, 16 and then a lad called Frankie Coleman and then we used to get um, boys up in Swindon that would play and we had about 8 of us and we were very very good yes. right? and what happened then one day believe it or not this is the gospel truth I phoned up Khan Tang because they were due to have a six aside in a few weeks time and I phoned the lady up, Jackie, who was um, the secretary at the time, and uh, I said to her, look, I run Biddeston, give it the big and like you usually do, look, we're really, <laughs> we're really good, you, you, your tournament won't be worth having unless we're in it, and, and in most probably we'll win it as well. So, you know, she said, well, the club's on its knees at the moment and we're just about to fold. And I said, what do you mean? She said, yeah, yeah, we're in, we've just been promoted to the Western Premier, but the new manager, or the manager at the time, doesn't think he can work on the budget he, he, are you any good and I said well <laughs> I got one of the best two Sunday teams in the area I said uh, what, what are you saying she said well do you want to have an interview I was 22 mind right? I was 22 wow. so I went home that night and I said to her I'll get back to you in the morning so I went home that night and I phoned up three or four of the boys and I said look are you ready will you jack it in and come and play for me where you're playing because a few of them were at Chippenham and bits and pieces and it was all like yeah come on let's go and have the crack so I went and met them the committee they were lovely lovely people they turned around and said to me that um, the budget was £250 a week and that was in the Western Premier Division when the likes of Taunton Tiverton Mangotsfield Saltash Liscard Chippenham who were pretty shit in those days but right it was a hell of a league it was not what it so is. So what year was that then, Tom? That was 1993. So, she said, the budget's 250 quid. I said, oh, that's all right. Then we can all have £15 each. Everyone would be happy with that. <laughs> she said, no, we've got a problem. <laughs> what do you mean, got a problem? Well, we've got a contracted player. 
right? Yeah, she said, you might have heard of him, Terry Connor, his name is, he played for Swansea in Bristol City. <laughs> yeah. And I said, all oh, right, well, that's all right, he's a good player. No, he's not a good player now, because his knees aren't very good now. All oh, right. Well, what does that mean? She said, well, if Terry doesn't leave, your budget's 50 quid. Because <laughs> he's on 200. And I went, oh, we've got a problem now, haven't we? And this is on the Monday night, and she said, but even more of a problem, she said, if you take the job and we need an answer now, we've got Swansea here on Wednesday and we ain't got any players at all. Because cool. Terry Connor used to play for Swansea. Yeah. He also managed in the Premier League where Mick McCarthy got the sack. Yeah, so yeah. that was quite a good crack on it. So I said to her, don't worry about the money side of it. Let me have a chat with, with Terry. We'll see where it goes. I said, but I'll take the job on. So a bloke called, and I don't really remember him very well, but a bloke called Frank Burrows come down. This was 1994, Swansea City bought the whole first team. And we were the original dog and duck. It was just all my mates. That is literally it. It was my Sunday team. It was all my pals. We lost two now. And afterwards, this is against their first team, mind. He said, you took that a bit serious. I said, a bit serious. I said, some of these lads can't get a game on a Sunday. And you're professional footballers. And you've only beat us two now. Maybe you should take it a bit more serious. Then I sat down and I spoke. What did Frank say to that? Not a lot. Thought I was a cheeky little twat. And... and you were 22 at the time. And I was, cheeky twat. <laughs> and I played as well in those days, so it was, it was a bit of, banter, bit of banter, a bit of fun. Yeah. And yeah, the first two years were player manager. And uh, yeah, that progressed in about two years. So then I had to sit down with Terry and, and he said to me, Tom, he's a lovely, lovely man, right? He won't, probably won't remember me, but he might. Most do. Um, and he was a lovely man. And a few weeks later, he got a job as a community officer at Bristol City, working in the community. We had a party, thank God, because I had £15 a player rather than a fiver. So the first game in the Western Premier Division, how about this for a baptism? Away to Taunton Town, managed by Terry Rowles, their first league game of the season after losing at Wembley, right? And making their debut one Raphael Burke just signed for Man United. OK? And he's being marked by my mate, who's only playing left-back that day, because I normally played left back on a Sunday and he was a sub, so I let him play his debut in the Western <laughs> League down at Taunton. We were 1-0 up at half-time. Terry Rouse was absolutely going mental. We lost 5-1 and it was like we had won the World Cup. Did you get on with Terry? Uh, no. <laughs> I could just say it. <laughs> in a word. Did I get on with, I get on with him? I, I was just a cheeky little upstart in those days, so he would have just seen well, me like a piece. Oh, see, I that. Do you get on with any other manager? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Now we'll talk about that. We'll, to, we'll talk about that as we go on because there are some managers I absolutely adore that people won't realise that I did, um, and there are others I, I don't, and I never will. Um, but Terry probably seen me as a little piece of shit on his shoe, and yeah. I had a lad called Wayne Townsend up front, right? Yeah, and Wayne was weird. my Wayne was at the time was my best mate. We went everywhere together. Now. Stayed with me for about four years, scored shitloads of goals. And then he went, and the year before we got to Wembley, don't want to jump on the chitlin, but the year before we got there, he moved to New York with Derek, the lad that I talked to yeah. about the six aside. Yeah. So Wayne missed all the glory and the glamour days. But one day we were coming back from one of the games down in Devon, and we always stopped and we always got drunk, right? It was brilliant. It was like just playing with all your best mates week after week after week. And the time at Khan. Nobody wanted to play us. It was horrid over there, and we were horrible. We used to train and play rugby, 
right? So I'd get a rugby ball out and they'd say, you ain't got a clue what you're doing. I'd say, you're probably right, but we won't get relegated and we're not paying any money. And there'd be times where I would literally get them all kicking the ball over the clubhouse because they had the clearance so we could get everybody back to defend. And that was how basic and the understanding was. But anyway, Wayne was scoring so many goals. And we'd come back up one day and uh, Terry Rowles was in there and I think he was with Andy Parrott and a few of the others. And we had a few ciders on board and I was giving it the old, see that lad over there, he scored more than all of you. And we're third from bottom and your budget's 10 times our size. You yeah, know, he's my best mate, but he's got to go and play for you because, so Rowles offered him. He was on 15 quid of us and Terry Rowles offered him over 150 pounds. Anyway, the next morning, Wayne came around my house crying and said, I don't want to leave. I said, well, don't leave then. We were all drunk. None of us wanted to go. <laughs> he said, but, but I signed the form. And I said, well, just tell him you ain't going and that's the end of it. So, so he stayed. So I don't really know Terry that well now, but the first couple of years, we were all just about learning what was what, what the crap was. But it was always cheeky. And I, I, I remember one game, it was the second season. How we stayed up the first season, I don't know, but it's just brilliant. Second season, first game of the season, Brislington away, Jamie Patch. Right? I like Jamie, but I think Mike Richardson might have been his assistant manager at the time. And they just got promoted from the first division, ran away with it, thought they were brilliant. Right? Everyone thought they were brilliant. We were going over there like, well, we'd been in the Premier Division a year or so, so we were doing all right. Anyway, we beat them two or three nil. Final whistle's gone, I shook his hand. This is like Jamie Pats, one of the blokes I see in the paper all the time. And said to him, welcome to the big boys league, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) They've had their big crowd because it's their first game in the Premier Division ever. Welcome to the big boys, some 23-year-old little shit, as I said to him. (laughs) So that that, that was the story, really, at at Khan. it was the, spend their time? Four years. Yeah. It was the original Ragas Rovers. I got honestly I could tell you so many stories. There was uh, every year I used to appoint a different person as the chairman. I'm the manager, I was appointing the chairman. <laughs> um, and <laughs> the best the best the so what happened is I started to get a really good side together and seven or eight of them were playing for the Wiltshire County team, right? And every time they went away to the Wiltshire County team, the following week seven days would come in from Chittenham Town for one of my players. It was relentless. Every 28 days, or seven days came in. And I lost about five players to them. But I wasn't frightened to go out, and we talked about this a minute ago, I wasn't frightened to go out and watch Robinson's DRG on a Saturday, right? Um, they might kick off at two o'clock and Card might be at three o'clock, so I'd watch half an hour there and, and just leg it over there. Yeah. Colin Bush by then was my assistant, so he'd take all the warm-ups. And I was, I'd go out and sing players like... Um, Matt Berry, well Chuck Berry would have been better, but Matt Berry was all right, yeah? And Neil Rosley was at DRG. Mm. No one even knew any of these players, and I wasn't even paying them more than a fiver, and they were playing in the Western Premier in those days. So I used to say to people, well, Chittenden can nick them, I'll just go and get better ones, it doesn't matter. And it didn't matter. And then my big rival yeah, over- That's the pissed you off though, Tom. Well, so this, is how you, you. so this is how you answer it in the end, isn't it? So you, you, you have to grow resilience, and in those days I had massive resilience, Nothing was going to knock me off what I wanted to do. Um, although Darren tried a few times knocking my head off. But that's that's another story. So in the end, I used to lose a player every month. And it was Mark Batters went. It was Simon Bray went. It was Nathan Sheridan went. It was Justin Messenger went. There was loads and loads and loads of them all went. And in the end, I used to, if we won at Cannes and they lost, we would get in the car, 
me, Shane Andrews, Ian Murphy, and the first thing we'd say is, right, let's go to Chittenham Town's ground. Jeff Evans would be the manager. They've just lost Hume and Gloom. <laughs> We've just won at home against, say, say, bloody Barnes the ball. And I would just go in there as cock of the north. I would fucking rock up at the bar and I just took the place over. And then it was obvious we did it. We always went to the pheasant in Chittenham if we hadn't won. But if we won, we went to Chittenham Town's ground. And it went on for quite a while. Then I had a long suspension. Um, for basically taking the blame for everybody at Khan for one, on one occasion, which... You know, wasn't right, but I had to do it for the side, the club, not to get kicked out of the league. And then we went to play Chittenham on a boxing day. And I had a lad called Jamie Water playing centre half of me. And I'll always remember what I did. His missus was having a baby. Right? Jamie Waters is Paul Richards' son in law. Paul, who was your chairman, yeah. right? Yeah. So Jamie said to me, if my wife phones, or any of the family phones, you've got to call me straight away and I've got to come off because she's having this baby today. And I said, yeah, no problem, mate. <laughs> Bearing in mind, I knew this was my one chance to take over at Chittenham Tank. So... Jeff Evans still manager? Jeff Evans had gone. So when Jeff oh, right. got the sack, this was the funny he thing. He was a lovely man. Chitt- God rest his soul, what he, Jeff? Right, so I got on really well with Jeff, although he wrote a few funny things about me in his book. Yeah. It wasn't particularly complimentary, but he's entitled to his view... And that's fine. But when he got sacked at Chippenham, he had nothing to do. So what did I do? I appointed him as a chairman at Khan. (laughs) (laughs) Just to piss everybody at Chippenham off because they'd sacked him and he wasn't happy about it. And I said, well, come on, I used to beat you, so we can still beat them. Let's let's go and do it. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I want to show Chippenham who's the top dog because I wanted that job badly. Right? And um, there's loads of stories I could tell you about Jeff, but... That it would be here all night and I've got lots of other people I want to hammer before then Yeah. so where was I before you interrupted so we had Chippenham that day yeah. right and that was Vic Flippance was the manager yeah. Vic had just taken over on his own because Friggy had gone to Yate right Friggy thought Yate Town was bigger than Chippenham hello what are you thinking John <laughs> but that's what he thought you know, off he went and I thought well now that's got to be my job because <laughs> It used to come across as arrogant, and I was arrogant, because at that time, I thought I was the big, the best thing since sliced bread. I'm not going to lie about it. I, it came across as arrogant to people, and it was. I had. It was nice to be confident. I had so it? much confidence in my own ability. I can always remember my dad, God rest his soul, when I actually took the Chittenham job on. I said to him, "I'll have him promoted within two years." So my dad asked to have this habit of slapping his head, and he slapped his head. He said, why can't you just go there and keep quiet? And I said, because I don't want to. <laughs> I want to go there and rile up everybody. Anyway, we had to go back to this Boxing Day game. We won 1-0. Jamie Water scored the only goal. I switched his phone on at the final whistle, gave him it, and there was messages. So we had to go to the hospital. His missus had a lovely baby that day. We talk about it all the time, because I still see him all the time. And we won 1-0, and the chairman of Chittenden came in to me, and he said... There's 50 quid. Go and buy all your players a drink. I'll be in touch next week. Right? Music to my ears, because I've been waiting for this for a long time. Then the funny story is, I was over in Backwell resigning, because the word had got out that there's a chance. So, Khan, we drew one off. My big mate, Mr Pridham, who we can come on to in a bit, was manager there. And uh, he was digging me all day. Oh, this is your last game. I don't even know why you're here. And I thought, right, I'm not going to get sent off, because meaning we'll end up losing it so I went and sat in the stand like like 
Alex Ferguson, you know, view from <laughs> want that it was just to sit a little bit closer to him because his dugout was near the stand of Bakwell and I could shout even more views at him, right? <laughs> so anyway, I resigned that night and at the same time Vic was getting the sack on the pitch at Bridport, which was a horrendous thing to do. It should never have happened, but the chairman was getting rid of him anyway, regardless of that result that day. Anyway, unbeknown to me, all the Chipman players and fair play to them, they walked out with him. They said, well, if this is the way you treat the manager and this is what you're going to sack him on the pitch, we're leaving. And they refused to come back, even though Mark Batters, Nathan Sheridan, Justin Messenger were all really good mates of mine. They said to me... And I played for you. Yeah, yeah. and I played for me. And, and they're not necessarily saying it's the wrong decision, but how they did it. And every one of them, to a man, left, except for the three contract players, which was Charlie Griffin, not a bad player to inherit... Paul Steele played in a conference for Yeovil, not a bad player, and a goalkeeper called John Haynes. So I had three players. The funny thing was, and people might find this amusing or might not, but I had to apply for the Chittenham job, even though I'd already signed a three-year contract for him. And it was chairman then. The chairman was Malcolm Lyons. It was Malcolm. And you had Dougie Webb and Richard and Gordon, all the people that stayed with us, and, and Chris Blake, all the people that stayed with us all the way through. But they went through the rigmarole, and this is embarrassing, really. I've been interviewing four other people... And when the last one came down, I had to make up. I was going up the stairs and I had a shirt and a tie on. And he said, oh, good luck with you interview, Tommy. I said, oh, thanks very much. Cheers. All the best to you as well. And guy looked out the window. The chairman said, all right, he's gone now. We can all go on. Because I had already signed the deal. It was pathetic. But he didn't want people to see that he had sat Vic, Vic on the pitch, having already me signed the contract the week before. Why did he sack him on the pitch? Why didn't you just wait and phone him at night or have a chat in the... Because I think it had been itching and itching and itching for him to do it and he just did it and it was wrong. Of course it was wrong. It was terrible what he did. Mm. Um, but but he did it and and that was that. So that was the start of your career at Chippenham? That was the career at Chippenham. So I would say I absolutely loved it at Khan and I drove out of Backquad crying the day that I, I packed it in. Um, I, le I left Nobby... Colin Bush in charge yeah. and what we agreed was that I would only take one player a month I think it was January at the time yeah. I'd only take one player a month I'd have to take two to start with because the message had got through straight away that everyone had left so Wayne Towns and a lad called Tony Hammersley came with me straight away and all the others would just come one, one, one month at a time until in the summer they'd all come lock, stock and barrel except for two or three that were going to go back and play for Oddang so, so that hit Colmbad then, your appointment there. Yeah, it did. So Mel Ginjal, who was my assistant when I first took over at Chippenham, he went to Khan and had no players because I had nicked them all. <laughs> and we had him first game of the season and beat them 6-0. <laughs> but going back to Mel, so this is what he was like, right? And everyone in the Wiltshire area will know this. The first game we had, uh, I can't remember who You still had a good relationship with him, did you? Yeah, brilliant. Good. But I couldn't trust him, right? <laughs> so I've gone in there, managed at Khan for four and a half years, know the Premier Division quite well. We're sixth or seventh at Khan, which was fantastic for that sort of that era. And uh, the other reason I had to get away from Khan as well, to be fair, Darren was having a great time at Melksham, right? He'd bring them up. They'd come up from the County League and they got promoted to the Premier Division. So you had Melksham and Chittenham on a roll. And there's me with as good as I'm ever going to get at Khan. So I had to move to, to somewhere yeah. I could compete. I left Khan. The budget was 180 quid by the time we left because Jeff Evans cut it in half. 
He tried to cut <laughs> it in half. You're a chairman, you appointed. Yeah, and he'd done it, he'd done it funny enough at Backwell. The budget was 100, uh, the budget was 300 quid and I was on contract for £30. <laughs> and he said, I've got to cut the budget in half to 150 and there's no money for your assistant Nobby anymore. I said, well, you don't need to worry about that. You can have half of my 30 quid without £15 each. And I said, you can go in and tell all players that the, the boys that used to beat you every week, you've now cut their budget. So one of them turned around, Johnny Wood, and said, so what are we going to get? He said, oh, a tenner a man, 15 players. And that's gospel as I sit here, right? And he said, all right, we, we crack on and we play. So we had a tenner. And... Uh, Anyway, it went on. So I left Chip. I left Khan 150 pound a week and went to Chippenham. And the manager said, the chairman said, Vic had been running on 500. I need you to run on 450, which is still a lot more than you've ever had before. We can't afford 500 pound, so build a team from there. That's what we did. The first season. Got money back in those days, wasn't it? Not really. Absolutely. Not really. Not really. No, not when you had Mangotsfield and Tottenham and and Tiverton were yeah. just on a. I mean, not being funny, but Tiverton at that time. And it wasn't too far off the time I suppose you lot were up in and around Bath Tiverton were brilliant yeah they were what was that 93-94 yeah but I knew Briz weren't paying at the time no but they just yeah. come up from the first division yeah. so by the time I went to Chippenham it was 90 because like you said I think the Mangotsfield you're talking as tight like that did but you're Backwells you're Brizzing yeah 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 but they, they were never Premier yeah. Division sides no. really they were just yeah, well, a bit like when you were managed yeah. always at the bottom but yeah. it was a game you had to tick off just to go and play yeah. wasn't it and you're a manager Briz no, back well you did. You weren't very good either, but you know, you were alright. You know, you were alright. You were funny, weren't you, Dave? You know, let's be fair. Great, great little one there. Very, very funny. Very, very funny man. Not very good football manager. Right. So, so, so we went, we went, we went to Chippenham, and the first season was absolutely brilliant. And at the end of that first season, Charlie Griffin went to play for Swindon Town. Paul Still went to play for Yeovil. Swindon give us £10,000, Yeovil give us £4,000 and the chairman said to me, fair play to him, that's £14,000 we bought in that we didn't have, there's another £350 a week on your budget. So the budget's then gone from 450 to 800 Yeah. Then what do you do? If you're going to try and progress, my philosophy was always you've got to go and destroy your opposition. Who was my opposition? Darren. Oh, Darren talked about it. He didn't quite get the numbers right, but I can remember one day, and don't get me wrong, I've got a lot of time for him. Mind he, he wanted to win as much as I did. He would kill his granny the same as I would. Um, so we were just like two peas out of his pod, really. And I used to, I always going to clash. I knew it because I like to think I'm quite intelligent that we were just going to clash all the time, and it didn't matter, right? But one day we had them last last couple of games of the season, Chippenham and Melksham. Shane Andrews, who was my Shane Andrews and Steve Brown are my two best mates in football. Right, they're the two people that I trust with my life, and that, that, that's that. Yeah. So, Shane was playing centre half on that game, and unbeknown to anyone at Melksham, but Lee James, Steve Tweedle, Gary Lewis, Steve Campbell, they were playing for Melksham that day, but they had already signed a contract for me for the following year. <laughs> right, so I shout out to Shane to deliberately wind up Melksham. Don't kick him, Shing, to Tweedle. And Darren said, oh, don't tell me you're going to be signing him. I said, I already have. This is during the game. So I provoked it quite a lot as well. But Steve and uh, uh, Darren and Porks, they loved it as well. So they, you know, there was times like I got the message through, you're playing on Saturday. If you step foot in that bar, they're going to kill you. So I kept my brother, 
over I'd get Shane over and I'd make sure that I was the first one in the bar just to front it hey. but yeah I got slapped a few times when I went over the auction but you expected it yeah fair play Chipping and then got bigger and bigger turn. we had £800 a week and then we went on the on the, the FA Vars run yeah so and and did you change your you know when you went from you had the 450s up to the 800 did you change your players um, did you just pay them more because they'd done well for no, you no did no no I, I, I bought in so we then bought in Ian Jones from Mangotsfield. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else we bought in. Um, Lee James came in. So I'd known Lee James since we were five years old. Yeah. Um, I always remember Lee, and if I don't mention it, we played at Marbles, right? So Lee was, um, Lee was, should we call it, a tearaway when he was at school. So during the summer holidays, he'd come and stay with his nan. But his nan lived just around the corner from me. So me and Lee would play Marbles all the time, and I beat him one day, and he kicked me in the head. <laughs> so I thought it do for me <laughs> um, and, and the funny thing is Tony I, um, I deliberately went out to sign players that were controversial players that were going to be hard work to manage that would stand up to my shit and not not just take it because yeah. I love the confrontational side of it I love to have a row with, with it um, not now I'm totally different now but in those days that's what it was all about so yeah we signed Lee James on. I think Lee was probably at Trowbridge quite a lot under Steve Rutter. I think you might have had a little go over there, but yeah. you, you decided the likes of Jamer and Woodsy weren't good enough because they were winners, so you didn't last very long, and they come and play for me. Is that because all the money disappeared? I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> was it? Was that? I'm not sure what happened, but they obviously felt that my coaching was above and beyond. I'm not sure that's true either. <laughs> But so yeah, no. Basically, five or six of the Khan lads stayed with me, and they were amalgamated with five or six from Melksham, and then a few from Trowbridge and that, and, and Jonah and Tony Bennett came over from Mangotsford as well. Um, everybody. So you did like your occasional Bristol boy in. Yeah, I didn't. If I'm honest with you, right? I didn't like lads from Bristol very much. No. They had to be. They had to be a certain type of player, and. I thought the lads from Swindon were a little bit too pretty and a little bit too fancy Danny and wanting to play ticky-tacky. I'm just saying how I used to think about it. And then the lads from Bristol were a bit fluffy, really. They'd, they'd be all right and they'd, they'd do okay, you know. One player I really wanted from, Br from Bristol was Craig Patch, and I put him from every year. Two reasons. One, to wind his old man up. <laughs> and two, I think Craig was a very good player and I would have liked to have had him, right? So you think Craig was better than Lee? Uh, Lee was younger. <laughs> Lee was only just starting off at that time. Yeah. But Craig was a good right back in those days and I, he would have done away in my reserves. <laughs> <laughs> so there wasn't many Bristol lads. I did build it predominantly around Wiltshire-based players. Yeah. Look, when we got the Wembley, OK... And I will mention it because it's a great achievement, and and it was and those players and everything about it, it was fantastic. But if I said to you that the back four, right, was Shane Andrews at left back, can't play left left back to save his life, but could kill anybody, right? He was so physical. The right back was Lee Jings. Well, everybody knows what he did, right? He was just a murderous player. And then the two centre-halves was Lee Burns, who's probably the strongest kiddie I've ever seen on a football pitch. And Ian Murphy, who was six-foot-odd, could play, and he could organise the other three to make sure they weren't... And they weren't allowed to go forward. It wasn't this football of nowadays. Yeah. That was a back four. Johnny you wanted Woods, your full-backs to defend about then, didn't that, you? That's all they did. And, yeah. and 
I was never going to change for it. And then I had Johnny Wood sat in front of them, and it didn't matter if the opposition played 3-5-2 or 4-3-3. I had Johnny Wood and Simon Charity in the middle, and our two were always going to be better than their three because Johnny Woods must was superhuman. Couldn't pass the ball, but could run and tackle and tackle and tackle and tackle and tackle all day long. And we used to see all these boys get released from Swindon Town and Bristol City and come and play in the Western League and they'd play against Woodsy and he would just finish them off. They they didn't, you know. So Steve Brown, who was my best player, played on the left and Lee Collier, who was... Um, had a lovely footballing career, but was an absolute fucking nightmare of a kid. Played on the right, and then uh, Steve Tweedor, who you can't say anything else about him than him. He was just, well, on a different level. Yeah. And then we had a lad called Dave Godley, who played up front. Unfortunately, missed two great chances at Wembley, and uh, that, that, that was that. We lost one in the last minute. But it was a fantastic achievement. You're right in what you're saying. Yeah, it was, yeah. It and, was. and we made the most of it. So, you know, we, we, we made a lot of money out of it. And the club just flourished from there. We went from having average So when you pounds. started, that was the Western League, yeah? yeah? Did you win the league with them? No. Never won a league, Dave. You never won a league? Come second to Taunton, because Taunton wouldn't go up. So, got a funny so story. you got a lot of runners-up in your management. A lot of runners-up, not yeah. just at senior level I thought either. you was a better manager in that. Yeah, so but I he, he, when I, when I was at Briz and you, Chippenham, were still Western League, you know, the, 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 when Timberton, Taunton... Um, Chippenham or that and then, and then we finished fourth one year yeah and behind those those three teams yeah yeah good team and, and Mangotsfield were there as well yeah Prids had Porton it was um, so Chippenham Chippenham's got two things it's got the the pre-Vars final and then the post-Vars final right so it was quite hard to transition it and let some of them players go but ultimately I was ambitious, so we come second to Taunton. So the week after, this is a funny one. I like this. I think I got on very well with a lad called Paul West, who was the captain of Taunton Town. Yeah, right, Paul, yeah. he's coming in soon. Yeah. Right. Well, the boy was just a classic, right? Absolute bloody beast of a player. So one day he got pissed up with us all because if he didn't have a game for Taunton, he'd come and find out where Chittenden were playing, right? He was in Elmore Clubhouse and he got so drunk he let them all shake all the Chittenden fans. This is Taunton Town's captain. He let them all shave their, his head off. Because he was drunk with Burnsy and all the rest of them. You know, we got him in the Les Phillips Cup final. So it's seven days after Wembley. Chipping him against Taunton, you can't get a higher standard. I don't care what anyone says. You cannot get a higher standard at that level. It was at Mangotsfield United's ground. There was 2,500 people there. Anyway, Western Daily Press, Alan Breck, right, lovely man. Was, was right on the ball in those days. And it used to, so he phones me up and I says, looking forward to seeing Russell and the rest of them tomorrow because Taunton can't win a final. They've won the league. That cup's got our name written on it. And I've got a programme in my bag signed by all the Chitlin players. I'll leave it in their drug out for Russell and his boys because they will never get to Wembley. I knew that because they were knocking Wembley down straight after that game, right? <laughs> As it happened, they won the Vars the following year and I went to watch it. So Westy's, Westy's phoned me up on the coach. So I know Matt Mangotsfield already waiting. He said, what have you done? I said, what do you mean? He said... Russell is sat on this coach absolutely fuming. He won't speak to anybody. He's refusing to walk the team out, out of the, the little tunnel onto the pitch. He won't talk to you today. He's had a guts full of it. I said, well, it's worked then, hasn't it? Yeah. We won 2-1. Happy days. 2,500 people there. So it was, it was them really, mate. And then 
you then you've got the, the post Vars games, which is then we got into the Southern League and my little rivalry with my good mate Alan carried on. So how did you, how did you, how did you go up? You finished runners up and went up? So we went, we, we got to what the Vars. because? We got to the Vars final. Yeah. The following year, we lost in the Vars quarterfinal um, and got promoted. And the downside to getting promoted was, and a lot of the committee at Chittenden didn't want to get promoted. They wanted to keep having to go at the bars every year because it was a big money spinner. And Tiverton proved that, didn't they, for four or five years. Yeah. Straight one season in the, in the Southern League, promoted straight away again. Come second to Helzo and Brendan Phillips was their manager. Yeah. Um, and we only lost. The season we come runners up, we lost two games. So I'm good friends with Dave Pierce now, who, who manages Bridgewater, and they're doing really well, Piercey. Plays for me at Odd Down. But we only lost two games and come second. Wow. Even though the other teams that were in it and the standard was that good, we beat Taunton away 5-3 and drew at home, but they only lost two. We drew five and they drew four. So I think they won the league by a point, but they wouldn't go up. So wow. we went up, only lost five games again in the Southern League, got promoted again to the Premier that's when we started playing the likes of Bath City and um, well, some huge clubs because there was no conference safe in those days. Yeah. And we got to Christmas and we were second in the league. Tamworth were top. This is in the Premier. And we'd beaten Tamworth home and away. Mark Cooper was their manager. And Chippenham wrote to me and said, you've been, bearing in mind, the crowds had gone up to like 900 a week. They wrote to me and said, you're £200 a week over budget. We need you immediately to reduce this. We were second in the league. Consequently, come out, and the chairman was quite honest with me. He said, I shit myself. He said, if you had got us in the conference as a club, we were finished because there's no way we could have afforded it. Yeah, so they got sponsors in or people it was just in. Too big. Take it the on. ground and that was... Right. We had gone from being a Western League side in three yeah. years to almost going to the conference. It was every year. So that the problem is what they say: if you stand still, you you bugger then. Mm. So we came fourth that year in the in the Southern Prem. Um, Nobby decided to go and manage Caution, and I appointed Aidy as my assistant, and uh, it didn't go quite so well the following year. Right, but there wasn't any pressure on then, Tom, to win anything then, apart from the Vols after was, when you went out. Pressure, pressure non-stop. Well, what I'm saying is, you got to second. And they want to cut the budget. So yeah. they obviously didn't want you to go anywhere. No, they didn't there. want us to go so up there. So from their point of view, they'd have probably been happy with mid-table every year. Yeah, they would have, yeah. So what happened the following season, and this is where it all went wrong for me, is the following season, you had to finish in the top 14 to, to go in the new conference safe. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I can always remember, my last game, I turned around and looked in the stand, was Crawley away. So Crawley, like Football League side for the last 10 years, I looked in the stand and I had... Colin Taylor, Lacko Kifo Halloran, who is an Irish international, Gareth Davis. There was five or six of them, Mark Carrington, five or six of them sat in the stand, injured or suspended. I only had 12 players. We lost 3 2 at Crawley. We hit the post in the last minute. And there's a famous saying in football who motivates the motivator, right? And my jaw and my head couldn't have got any lower. Right. So, <laughs> in hindsight, when I look back, did I agree with it? No. Would I have done it? Yes. I would have got rid of me as well. Or I would have made sure... Well, you I missed had... out at 14th place and going out, did you? Well, I didn't last that long. I was only yeah. there until the October. We had won two, drew eight, and lost six. So the problem is, you look at all of these managers now, and I still can't really well with Sean Joyce and that, 
they've had promotions and relegations on their CV and those clubs were happy to carry on. Chipman wasn't. I give them five years of they've never done anything like that ever. And it didn't matter, you were gone. Malcolm's still the chairman, Malcolm Lairs. So Malcolm had spoke to me and he said to me, his famous words were, as long as I'm the chairman, you will always be the manager. Mm. And I turned up for training on a Tuesday night and they were nowhere to be seen. And I thought, something's going on here. So I drove around past his yard. He's got a yard a bit like your building here. And there they were, the six directors all sat around the table. Me being me, parked the car, just walked straight in. What's going on? <laughs> Well, we've decided to let you go. Have you? You've decided to let me go. Well, thank you very much, Ant. So five years I've been here. I could have become the Bath City manager. So I, I spoke to you in those days, whether you remember it. You were going to be my coach. Nobby was going to be my assistant. And I really wanted to go to Bath. I lived in Bath and it was where I wanted to go. And the chairman said to me, and to be fair, it was only the six months after the, the Wembley, so before all the Southern League promotions, he said... Uh, I wouldn't let you go. I'll, you're on contract. I want £10,000. So I sat down in this meeting with Bath City. Pridge got the job in the end, right? And he said to me, um, one of the fellows, you get an interview made by 12 people. Every man and his dog was there. And the guy said, so if we give you the job, will you let us put supporters on the coach? That's what the question is, it? Right, so bear in mind now, <laughs> bear in mind, I'm two, two leagues below, I'm at Chippenham, and I'm staying in hotels, right? If we had a long away game, the chairman at Chippenham would let would yeah. just pay for everything. Staying in hotels, having the top coaching, we're going forwards and the crowds are going, and I've got a 75-year-old bloke asking me, would I let supporters go on the coach? Not a chance, I said to him. I said, I grew up watching Bath City. I played in the Colts, right, and Goes was running the reserves. I said, it's always been my ambition here. Yeah. You think I'm going to let things like that happen? No chance. And it just went like that. And it, it, yeah, it, We never had it, did no. we? Because what went on on that coach was well, between us. It, it, but just wouldn't have done it anyway. No. I, I, you'd like to have thought... What a question like, to ask. Exactly. Isn't it? You want to see... And then he you, said to you me... see the club going? What, you know? Then he said to me, um, and uh, bearing in mind, they've approached Chippenham to ask me to go and manage... Then he said to me, what coaching qualifications you've got? And I said, none at all. I said, but I've got a great video of me leading the side out at Wembley. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't, see, I don't see anybody else in this area with that. I said, but... You, 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 you know, you, you've been got back to story or, or, or deny it. Because I heard on a little rumour, you know, because I was at, working for the FA at the time, that you wrote to the FA and said you ought to have your A licence because you took your team to Wembley and got promoted. Oh, is that true or not? Of course that's not true. <laughs> I did say to them, and to be fair, it was as much like their idea as mine, uh, don't do your level one, just do your level two. So I'd done my level two and quite enjoyed it, but I never wanted to be a coach. Yes. This is what people don't understand. I wanted to manage people. Yeah. I wanted to manage contracts. I wanted to manage the finance side of it. Yeah. And there is nobody better than me at going and watching a game and finding a player. Yeah. Now, could I do what you do, which is get out on that field, coach them, entertain them, develop them into better players? No, that's yeah. not me. I don't do it, I can't do it, and I don't want to do it. But no one could go to Chipping Norton on a Wednesday night like I used to do and find somebody. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, it wouldn't be the player that I'd been told to go and watch, it'd be somebody else. Yeah. I don't like him, but him over there. I had James Bittner ended up playing for England 
at non-league level. I had Charlie Griffin play for Wickham, played for Swindon Town, played for Forest Green. I'd done Charlie's contract when he went to Stevenage Borough. So that was 10 years after I had left Chippenham Town. Who did he turn around to act as his agent? I didn't do it for any money. I did it because he's my mate and he's still a good friend of my mate. Is he still playing it? He's well, assistant Batson. manager at Swindon Supermarine. Alan is at Wharton Batson. Ah, right, yeah. Okay. yeah. Charlie's yeah. there. Yeah, wrong brother. So, no, I didn't ask him about the A-licence. <laughs> and I wouldn't have wanted it. And, and I, I couldn't pass it. I went to then do the, what they used to call a level three. Yeah. And really um, the coaching course went really well. Uh, the guy who organised it was a nice chap. And then we all had to go back six months later after all our books and everything was filled in. And let me tell you, there's some top players who have now got their level, their level, what you call, like coaching level A, A licence. Yeah. You find their level two books and they copied mine. <laughs> <laughs> My books got passed around everywhere, all around Cheltenham Town, I know that for a fact, right? Every, every... <laughs> So many of them had my level two folder. Yeah. Because one thing I can do is write. <laughs> right? Remember Sean Pinker? Yeah. Yeah, played for Arsenal and all that. He, I, I did a level two with him, and, and Pete Aitken was on the, well, he wasn't on the same course, but Pete Aitken had done the level two previously when he was at the Rovers. And uh, I'm re reading through this book, and Sean Pinker's book, this is, his, his portfolio sort of thing. And I'm thinking, I've seen this before. <laughs> and I wrote Pete I said Pete I think I've seen your he said yeah I lent it to him for a word Sean he even put his name at the top I think there's a couple of boys that played for you maybe at Bath City and, and had a little time at, at Cheltenham as well that, that had my book yeah yeah they did and then the level three I had a guy from Bradford and Avon I had his book and I copied it all up I, I always say, I don't like, yeah. coaches are thieves. Yeah. We pinch ideas from others. But players. I'm not a coach, never have been. Yeah, but never I would in be. football, you know, even a Premier League, you've got managers who are never, not coaches, aren't they? Yeah. They're managers and some are good on the training field. I mean, there's some managers you look at, you think, I can't imagine him going on the training pitch and doing all the training with them, you know? It's like, well, Arsene Wenger had a different vision of the game, didn't he? But he wasn't so much a... Uh, well, he did, he changed it, really, didn't he, when he came in, like I think, when yeah. he came in, the, the ideas he had, which we'd never seen before, like, uh, you know, it used to be, like, get the ball in in the middle, didn't it, to the big centre forward, score a goal, yeah. and kick it away as far as you can, and all onto the lead. And there's still nothing wrong with that, because no, the art of defending is gone. Yeah, but like you said, there's a lot of managers that never really played at a decent level that are brilliant managers, like yeah. Mourinho, maybe, yeah. as but well. I was, I was a brilliant manager, right? At getting a nil-nil. We haven't got a big enough trumpet. I was a way. brilliant manager at getting a nil-nil. We've got to get a band in here with all the instruments in for you, Tom. If you wanted to be bored off your tips, <laughs> we went to Dover two years yeah. in a row, got nil-nil, and a kid who played for, for Gillingham for years and years and years, and I could, uh, Patterson his name was, he'd come up to me and he said, I've never played against a team like this. You didn't even try to score today. <laughs> and I said... You're absolutely right, and on Thursday night, we played one up front, which was Martin Paul on his own, and everybody else had to stay back and get a nil-nil, and then with 10 minutes to go, we'd swap Mingsy for Birdie, because Birdie had been knackered and he'd run his tits off, but all the rest. He said, but you've got Charlie Griffin, who's played in the Football League, why are you stuck in wide on the right? I said, because a point away at Dover's good, isn't it? <laughs> And the good thing was, the likes of Charlie Griffin and the rest of them bought into it. They bought into it. Yeah, exactly. that's exactly right. And then Birdie said a couple of nice things, like that. Martin Paul was one of those footballers that I talked about to you 
hard work, right? He had an opinion about absolutely everything, Birdie, right? And we clashed. Still has. Yeah. <laughs> and we clashed and butt heads all the time. Yeah. Many of the time I rolled his sleeves up and offered him a fight. I wouldn't lie about it, right? Means he'd be sat in between us, so I knew it was never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah. My favourite signing ever was a big mate of yours too, right? So... I wanted Grantley Dix. I love Grantley Dix. I adored Grantley Dix. In fact, I would have probably had his babies, right? <laughs> okay? <laughs> this is the truth. So Which one of you two look like? The I, I, invited him, I invited him round my house. And I said, Grantley, come round and we'll have a cup of tea and we'll talk. And he turned up with this long black leather coat. On. <laughs> All right? And he was proper... Like, he just looked like he was going to kill someone <laughs> so I sat him down and I said Grantley for many years I've watched you down Bassett and I absolutely adore you I said but I cannot have that behaviour in Chippenham the only person who's allowed to have a big gob during the game is me and we can't have people going around kicking people and he said I'll never cause you a minute problem and he was spot on two seasons two promotions the boy was absolutely bloody brilliant. Yeah. You know, and on, couldn't run. He had Steve Brown in front of him. Steve Brown, who's now like my best mate, he's um, a football league linesman. Yeah. He was on the line last night at Ipswich Town. And uh, we, we're still Good thick as... player as well, Mike. Yeah, we're still Good thick player. as fees together. So he comes down every Christmas and he ticks the box to say that he'll, he'll be a match official in this area because he lives in Kent. Yeah. And the last two years we've had Bristol Rovers on there. Boxing Day, so I go down with him and his mum, and you know, have a cup of tea and a sandwich, and he gets abused by Jerry Barton, and <laughs> I tell him what he should be saying to Jerry Barton because I would have smashed the flag straight round him. <laughs> but yeah, I had to mention that about Grantley because yeah. he is a good character, yeah. Grantley, and he, he loves his football. He's passionate, and he, you he still does now, doesn't he? Oh, brilliant. We've had him on our podcast now. He was good entertainment. When we started the charity, which you know we'll talk about if you like in a minute, yeah. when we started the charity. I got straight on the phone to Grantley, and this sums it up for him. His brother was at, his brother was at West Brom at the time with Slavin Bilic, and I said, Grant, you need to get me a West Brom shirt because these shirts are making me a fortune on the charity. And he said, all right, no problem. And uh, I think Diagana was their best, their, their most famous player. He was a winger, and um, he wore number 11 for West Brom. So Grant gives me this shirt with Diagana on the back, it's got a fucking number seven. <laughs> He's never worn number seven. It was a pre-season friendly. How the fuck am I going to sell that to a West Brom player as a match-worn shirt when it's got the wrong number on it? But I didn't want to sound un- yeah. didn't want to sound ungrateful to him. But I think Grantley bought that out of car boot sale. <laughs> but, like his clothes. <laughs> so, so when we talk about football, le- le- leaving Chippenham broke me. Okay, so. I was so involved in it, it was like I was married to the club. And when they sacked me, I was a broken man. And, and I was never the same person again, ever. So straight away I left Chippenham and went to Swindon Supermarine. And all I used to sit there and think was, how are Chippenham getting on? How are Chippenham getting on? Not worry about my job, which was still a Southern League club, and they were paying me quite well, was how are Chip- And Steve White took over as manager and hated the bloke right I won't say any more than that right just there is no part of me that has any time for that man and he was 
he was with my wife, he'd be like, that was my club. And <laughs> and I hated it. Yeah. But you were intense in intensifying ten years probably, haven't you? Calm in that. You was full on at everything. Full on. Yeah. Like you said, it wasn't just picking the football team, it was going out watching them, doing it, appointing the chairman. So it's it is massive part of your life, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Every so player at Chippenham was on contract. Sort of take away oh. at Chippenham. It's like you said, you was nurturing it, when you're building it, and all of a sudden I felt like I was the king of local football. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's gone. We would be, because you was on a wave, wouldn't you? Yeah. Lots of people offered me the job afterwards. I mean, a funny story, and it ain't funny, and it wasn't funny at the time. And you two boys and everyone understand it more now about mental health and stuff. But when I left Chippenham, I cried my eyes out, and I was in a bad way. And it was only the support of my wife, really, and my sister that managed to get me through it, right? Because you learn who your friends are, and there aren't many of them when you get sacked, right? So all these, all these shitbags... And that's why I'll give him a tap my hat to the likes of A.D. Britton, who still looked after me when he was at Bath City, left me a ticket every week, and it never forgot that I used to do the same for him. Mm-hmm. Lots of these people just stop ringing, stop phoning, they're not interested in you anymore because you're, you're, in their eyes, you're a football person and now you're nobody. And uh, what they did to, was horrendous. So I got offered the Bitten job, right? And Bitten offered me a three-year contract, and it was quite good money. And I went down there with a guy called Dave Hobbs. I don't know if you know Dave, yeah, but Dave is, a, is, Dave is a scout for Chelsea now. Yeah. And we were going to go down there, and I have no doubt we would do quite well. Rich Fay was playing, I think, or Paul Weeks was playing. I don't matter which one. I think Weeks, he took the job on in the end. So I had this three-year contract to sign on, and it was good money, right? Probably £150, £200 a week if we, were, if we were winning even more than that. And I went to watch them, and they lost 7-0, and it was so gutless. I was supposed to go in and sign the contract after I got in my car and went home. And John Langdon, and rightly so, absolutely destroyed me in the press, said he's got this, he didn't even have the balls to come in and front me up, and he didn't. And all that was, was mental health. I was not in the right place of mind to be a football manager. It had all gone. Everything that I had dreamt about, everything that I wanted, I didn't want to do it anymore. And, and it finished me off. I went to Odd Down for two and a half years, a couple of later, only because my father-in-law, Mike Russell, used to be involved yeah. down Bath. Yeah, Mike, yeah. Yeah, so my father-in-law, Mike Russell, was, was chairman there at the time, and he said, look, we, we can't get anybody else. Do you want to do it? And I said, no, I don't want to do it. He said, well, come and do it for me. So I did that for two and a half years. And then that was it. My two- See, that's, that's the side of things people people don't know and don't understand. And Dave, the nail on the head, you, you live it. You absolutely live it when you're a manager yep. or a coach, and and it's it's great that you can open up and talk about it. And but nobody knows, do they? Every night, Tom, crying my eyes out. Yeah. Every night, just wondering. And, and 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 you know, your great rival Darren Perrin went through similar, didn't he? You know, he, well, he spoke about his mental yeah, health, yeah. not not similar to you and getting sack and all that. Yeah. But, but you know, he talked, he, he spoke about his mental health as well. Well, uh, obviously, and that's uh, a serious side. The, 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 look, what I will say about Chippenham is they 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 let me go, um, and I phoned up the League Managers Association that day, and I spoke to um, I think it was Brendan Batson and Kenny Hibbert were the two I got involved with, and I said, look, I'm on this contract. They they say they can't really afford to pay it up, but they're willing to pay it over the next six months in full, right? And I had a young family at the time, and they said, just sign it, take the money. You're very, very lucky that, that they cannot honour that. There was none of this going on gardening leave or trying to shaft me, right? They looked yeah. after me in that respect. Yeah. And to that they did. And the chairman, Malcolm Lyas, also resigned three months later. So 
it was almost true to his word that as long as he was the chairman, I'd be the manager. So he was never there through Darren's reign and all the rest of it. But we had one game, I was manager of Swindon Supermarine, and they were giving me, I think, £150 a game. And we were playing Chittenham in the Wiltshire Shield, and they were giving me £300 a game. And they're playing each other, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, fucking loaded here. Yeah. I get 450 quid, I got 450 quid, and I got a full time job. This is happy days, isn't it? Yeah. But I want that. It, it, it broke me. It, 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 I just felt so let down by everybody um, that, that, you know, it, it, I was never the same after that. So when I went up to Oddane, I had the likes of Jay Lucas come and Jonas Lee and Jones came back up and played and Mark King came up and played and Burnsy came and played and Lee Jennings came and played. So they were all still my mates. They, all they, still got, they got to get mentioned because Burnsy and Keener, they just won Palmsy's Golf Day uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, first time they've entered and, and won it. So yeah. they're bandits. No, they're, they're great. Band. They're great. They are yeah, absolutely yeah, great lads and they've supported me, as you can imagine, the last couple of years big, big massively. Um, but they'd say to me, oh, I couldn't shout at anyone. I couldn't lose my head with anybody. Yeah. It, it, it changed. It just wasn't there. It was lovely if we won. And then if we didn't win, it didn't matter because I was going to go home and play with my two lads. And, and that was all that mattered to me. So this will probably be where the interview gets a little bit. So is this where your career manager ended there, was it? No, well, that odd down. And then, and then my, my, my oldest son, Charlie, who's now 23 and a school teacher, right? Very proud of him. Obviously, what he's gone through hasn't been easy. In fact, horrendous. Um, he was playing for Bath Arsenal under nines, and me and um, Matthew Richards, which is Paul Richards' son, son yeah. took over, and we managed them then from under nines all the way up to under 18s, where we went. Right. We went from Bath Arsenal under nines to under 16s, and then under 17s and 18s, we were odd down. So, were you done this, Tom? Were you the same as you were in men's football? Occasionally, yes. <laughs> right. I you was. must have had mums trying to kill you then. No, it used to be like, yeah. Because <laughs> I've been down that room. We've all done the, the boys' Kids, football. Yeah. And, then, and every parent, I, well, not everyone, but a lot of parents and their dads, they think they can do it better than you. Oh, no, no, and no. Then, I never had we, none of that. Oh, we had that. And oh. what you also had was the, the, the other teams. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? You're, I didn't. I didn't have, to be fair, I didn't have any of that, but my language sometimes at oh, under 15s and 16s. I remember one story now, right? So this is a grown-up adults podcast. Please turn off now if you're going to be offended. <laughs> so I had a boy called Jake Elliott, and Jake had played for me from when he was 10 years old, right? And he now, uh, he played all the last season and start this season for Eastbourne Borough in the Conference South, so I'm very proud of him, okay? He never had a clue when he started, and he done really well. And I um, always remember a funny story. He had just come over from Mozambique, and I said to him, Jake, will you stop running around like a headless chicken? Just stay in the middle of the pitch. So that day, his mum, Irene, phoned me up that night. Tom, hello, Irene. Jake is very upset. Why is he upset, Irene? I said, I love him like he's my own child. She said, I know that, Tom. I said, Jake, uh, Irene, I even pick him in the cricket team, and he can't hold a bat. I said, but I love him that much, I love him. Yes, Tom, but today you said to him he's like a chicken without a head. <laughs> and he's in his bedroom crying. I, I, I said, right, okay. I will speak to him on training Tuesday. It's a totally different phrase in England. So he hasn't got to worry about it and you still think he's brilliant. Okay, Tom, you will talk to him. Yes, of course <laughs> I'll talk to him. So that, that was one. But 
my point is I was very ruthless even as a youth team manager and by the way I never won the league there I'd come second many many times right but we used to win the cup every year so we, whether it be at Chittenham Towns ground or whether it be we wherever. had this great manager coming in saying <laughs> well, it gives me stick right where I got new money by not even 150 quid and had new players you've got to be trusted and played the Somerset League by not the Western League like you but never won nothing never won never won never, I can't believe it never, never the great Tom Saunders it's crap isn't it it ain't crap because you went to Wembley and you'd done that. But well, I, I honestly thought you took the chipping and tank. I knew the car was a great job to finish where you did, but I honestly thought you took you were the one that took him up the league, won the league. I was the one that took him up the league. No one else did it. No, you, you didn't win the league, though. No. How could you win the league with Taunton in it? They were, our match, they beat us by one point. Two of them beat them. Tiverton had already gone up by then. <laughs> no, you're not going to you Come on, Tom. I got all the medals, all the trophies. 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 But what I like about you, Painter, is... <laughs> Nothing. You, 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 you give it out in spades, and everyone who knows me knows that I love the uh, crack and the banter, right? So we we one day, and this is my favourite thing, so I'll talk very quickly about Alan Pridham. Alan used to the manager of Bath as everybody knows right and in those days Alan could sell anything right I used to think he was clueless when it came to football <laughs> but a nicer man you couldn't wish to meet right and to be and to be to be in his uh is it a bit like you to be in his company for a little while was an amazing thing because he was so different to me now we played on one day at Chippenham and it was packed there was thousands there and I knew everybody from Bath because I was a Bath lad and I knew all the supporters and, and they all knew me and they gave me so much abuse they went 1-0 up right and you will love this one you will love it they went 1-0 up Charlie Griffin equalised in the 94th minute right so I ran onto the pits it's true as I'm sat here I ran onto the pits to the edge of the D right a fast walk <laughs> Fast walk, into the, fast walk into the D just outside the box and all the Bath City fans are down the find and I am giving them the biggest signs you've ever seen, right? In the 95th minute, this story ain't finished yet. Already in that game, what I've missed out is we've gone 1-0 down because they've scored a penalty and Jamie Goslin, lovely lad, ran up, celebrating, the walls come crashing down oh, on I top of him. About that, Everybody, yeah. like, so... The walls come down on top of him. Jamie never paid for six months. Sue Chittenham for a few bob. Fair enough. It, it was. It wasn't great. We've equalised, and then your mate, Ding Burtby, right, has scored the winner for them in the ninety-seventh minute. Oh no! So don't ever tell this me. This is after you ran. So I've walked fast onto the pitch, giving them all the sounds, oh, everything, the and then he scored it and ran straight past my dugout, uh, doing exactly the same. So I got a feeling he said that, yeah, didn't he, yeah. Alan Prinham on his podcast? Yeah. yeah, but I loved it. This is what people don't get, right? I, I can sit back now. I can sit back now and think about that game nearly twenty years ago, and I can remember more about that game than I can winning yeah. one 0 at Tamworth, and, yeah, and then more to beat right, me yeah. up. It was amazing. And so Alan and myself, I used to text him like three days before Christmas and say, gloves off. And he'd reply, yep. <laughs> and that just meant we could say whatever we liked about each other, right? Just to get the crowds in on the Boxing Day. And, and it worked. Fair play. We used to get two and a half thousand people <laughs> come to Twerton Park to watch Chittenham and, yeah. and Bath thinking me and Alan were going to kill each other. And I don't care if he likes me or not. I love him. Right, <laughs> so I ain't got a bad word to say about the bloke. He was absolutely priceless. Yeah, and and it, it worked. Characters, Tom. Mate, Both of you. 
it, it, yeah, that's what's lacking a lot now. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Everybody, everybody's got to say the right thing, and you, yeah, it's crazy. And going back to the chitna thing again, don't want it. But when they sacked me, this is the difference. They looked after me. When they sacked Darren, they tried all sorts of things with Darren to not pay him. Yeah. And that was when me and Darren built our relationship back up because I went on the press and I said, it's a disgrace. If they want to let him go, that's fair enough. They can do what they like. But the man's on a contract, pay him his money. Yeah. Don't mess him about, right? And in the end, it got done. But I think Darren, and I know because his dad phoned me up and thanked me for getting involved in something that I didn't really need to, you have an opinion, can't you? You can't ever just shelve that opinion. You, you, you know. I think you've got an opinion on a lot of stuff, ain't you, Tom, to be fair? Oh, yeah. I mean, I look on Facebook now, and I know you're a Liverpool fan, I see him on the errands, I criticise him, he's on the errands, what's he doing on yeah, here? Yeah, you do, and you, and, you, and you quite regularly call me out and say, yeah, what are you doing yeah, on yeah, here? I know, but, but I'll give you an answer. Again, I don't mind, I don't mind it, because as long as you ain't pretending, to me, something you ain't, you know? No, no. And that's the, the thing, isn't it? I mean, I like you, I like people saying what they think, because it gives you more to go back and say what you really think. Just to people know why I'm on an Everton site is because I obviously run the charity yeah you told me that yeah Peter Reid had given me a shirt and um, Everton had given me another shirt so I go on to all of these sites Cardiff City Aston Villa yeah. Chelsea whoever it is and I'm advertising for what my charity is and I raffle the shirts you better mention a bit about yeah yeah, you, yeah. You, your life changed didn't it yeah how's your intern and your your family behind the scenes and and, and those and you start the Ben Saunders Foundation tell us a bit about Ben and so Ben started the Ben Saunders Foundation nothing yeah, to do with sorry. me right it, um I do get a few things wrong yeah right? yeah you're very good <laughs> every week very good. <laughs> so so I've I've two boys. I've still got two boys. Charlie, who's a school teacher, and Ben, who everybody. <sighs> it's tough, Tom. It's, it's rubbish, Tom. Nori. Right? So it's not rubbish, kid. It's your kid, Tom. I've got two boys. They were both like me, football mad. Charlie, who um, is a very bright boy, um, could play at a reasonably decent level. Now he's been offered to play Western League this year, but. He, again, he loves playing with his mates, so he plays for Larkor Reserves, he's captain. They play in the Wiltshire League, um, but it's all his mates. Five of them played for me from the Bath Arsenal days all the way up. A lad called James Riccio is a high-up policeman, is their manager, and they've not lost a game this year, but that's where Charlie wants to play, and he's a school teacher. Ben is my youngest son, and... So when he was 16, he was playing for Somerset under-18 schools and he played for Somerset under-18's county team as well. He was in the Bassett Academy as well, wasn't he? So he wasn't in the academy, oh, right? What he was... Another thing wrong to him? Bill, no, so, so he was and he wasn't really. Billy Clark was the manager. Yeah. And Billy wasn't sure if he would get on with me. And actually, I think Billy's a lovely man, right? We got on really, really well. But Billy loved Ben and Ben loved Billy. Yeah. So Ben went to the college for half a day because they do this college thing where you can still play football. And Ben phoned me up from the college and this is him. So he knew when I was younger, it was my dream. I wanted a YTS deal down at Bath City with Dodsey and Burns, Gary Burns and Batters and that. But he phoned me up then from the college and said, Dad, I'm not going here. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they strut around in their tracksuits. They all think they're footballers. He said, Christ sakes, they play in for Bath City. He was old, above his years, and I said, right, okay. So I phoned up Billy, I said, Bill, this has nothing to do with you. He won't go to the college, he wants to do his A-levels. 
but he loves playing for Bath City and he wants to stay with you. So fair play, Billy bent every rule in the book and basically said, okay, you can still play for us at Bath, but if we've got an away game at Torquay or down in Bournemouth or Dorchester, wherever, you're going to have to drive him because he's not allowed on the college coach. Is that because they got extra money for the players? They went to the academies and stuff, these colleges? And, and, the, and the, coach, the coach was insured and he didn't go to the college. So Yeah, that's right. Because it was it said he should sign any player on they could, like in these colleges. Yeah. So they get more money for the, the team, didn't they? I expect yeah. there would be some of that, but he yeah. wouldn't. And he did his A-levels. So as well as that, he was also playing for Oldland Abertonians because Colin Towler, who played for me at Chippenham, was him and Paul Milsom were running the under-16s. Yeah. So um, Ben had won everything with Bath Arsenal, absolutely everything, but he was never going to be the star player. And Mills and Colin both wanted him to go and play there. And I have to say he was brilliant. Okay, he got so fit. He was five foot ten, five foot eleven. He could play centre half or right back. He was turning out for odd down reserves when he wanted to. Uh, Oldham reserves he was playing for. This was at sixteen years old. He played three times for Bath City first team which is obviously the proudest thing that's ever happened to me as a person and then he got ill mm-hmm. so and now every minute of every day I do what I can do to keep his memory going you certainly do that don't you with all the, the things I see so basically after after Ben had his battle which I don't really want to talk about because it was no parent should go through that and me and my wife and my son and all the family have been through hell a couple of weeks before when we knew that we were running out of time Ben decided he didn't want to be forgotten yeah. and him and his friends had gone to Centre Parks about three or four weeks before he passed away and a charity had paid for him to, to go there so that's what he wanted to do and he was hoping we might raise a couple of thousand pounds and we'd see how it went but what I said to him was this is the only input I had Ben we're not going to be paying for children to go on their holidays we need this to last forever so what we have to do is set a foundation a firm foundation in place so we do give out some grants but not very many Mm -hmm. it's got to really be something that breaks me in half for me to but what we do is we've got now three incredible holiday homes up in the Cotswolds, okay? And they are bloody amazing places. And all the people that have supported us and done whatever they've done, and that's where we go back to, I talked to you about Matthew Bound earlier on. Matthew has done so many challenges for us. He's done one called The Beast, where this is a 50-year-old bloke who's played professional football, played in the Premier League. He's ran 100 kilometres he ran a couple of weeks ago for us. And then... Last year he did what they call a beast, which is one mile on day one, two miles on day two, three miles on day three, up to the 30th of the month where he's running 30 miles, the day after he's run 29 miles. Yeah, so he's raised us a fortune, uh, probably £20,000, maybe even more. And then um, the National Lottery have supported us. We've got a 200 club that we run every month that raises us money brilliant that this is going out in Bristol because there must be at least 15 or 20 football clubs now in the area and if they're not in the banners up they're everywhere they're they're everywhere now the Bath City's got them Chippenham Froome Melksham 
I don't want to name Bo- all the teams. Bocco on the back of us. Yeah. So I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to miss anybody out. Um, you've got teams like, and I've had nothing to do with Cribs Causeway ever. They every tweet they put out now, they, they mentioned Ben. So there's too many clubs that that I think you know you go to, to you go as far away as Shepton Mallet. You can go to Bridgewater. You can go to little towns like Cricklade. You don't even play in the Wiltshire League now. Me and my wife were staying up in the consoles because we go out there every six weeks now to make sure everything's all right. And Charlie was playing against Cricklade and we turn up there. You imagine that. You turn up there and you see a spanner in the middle of nowhere about your son. So, Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You know, how much do you reckon you raised so far? So, I've... I know we, lots of it have gone into Yeah, the, everything's gone into it. So the, the, the second year of accounts were due... Um, on the 30th of September so literally it's what I spent the last two days doing uh, and we've probably raised 390,000 in the two years of which we've now got three holiday homes that um, all cost north of £70,000 each Um, and then you've got the running costs and you've got we've had air conditioning fitted in two of them because some of these children that come to stay and they're going through their chemotherapy treatments or they've just come through their chemo or they've just finished you've got to keep the temperature right no good giving them a summer holiday and then it's so hot they can't so we've had we've had air conditioning put in um i managed to strike a deal a few months ago with a company western power there that 50, the next 50 families all got 50 pound voucher as well as a free holiday so they're getting a holiday they're getting their vouchers um you know it's 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 my life now and i always make sure i go and watch charlie play football albeit a saturday or a sunday um my wife found it very difficult to get any sense of satisfaction at all from the foundation but she knew it was probably the one thing that kept me alive and and they let people listen mate they, they, they've got to understand so so we had some very deep dark conversations um so i coped in one way my wife is now much more on board two years down the line about it so she'll help me with um, some of the bookings and looking after all the merchandise side of it and all the rest of it um and, and of course we are a little bit proud that in 18 months over 150 families have come from all over England now and had a holiday on my son. So, brilliant, brilliant, yeah, absolutely brilliant. fantastic. And it's only going to get bigger. And it's only, you know, I, I I read the stories you put up, mate, and and it's heartbreaking. I can't read half of them, and I don't read half of them. So the parents send them to me, and they ne- none of them have to give me the story. Yeah, um, that's not a prerequisite of them staying. They can stay, um, but I think they get some comfort from seeing all the other stories yeah. and they want to show a picture of their child so it's not just teenagers and young adults which is what it was at the start it's now children it's now bereaved parents we've also had several families stay quite a lot recently where the mum has got breast cancer and they've got young children but we don't put that on the website we've had people that have stayed because their child has been bullied at school and, and committed suicide and we never put that on the website um but it is just literally non-stop um but the support we get i mean if i told you honestly i've got kevin keegan's phone number i've got brian robson's phone number they've actually phoned me up and had chats with me i mean kevin keegan phoned me up i actually said to him 
the pissing Kevin Keegan. I said, why would he be... Re- what, are you, what are you doing this to me? I've just lost my son. And he said, you wrote to me, Tom, and I've read your letter, and now I'm ringing you, and I hadn't told anyone. Fair play. Mm. Something else. So, you know, football, football remains still a massive part of our lives. Me and Charlie still go up to watch Liverpool quite a lot. Um... Although they're not quite as good this season, so I have had a few tickets that I've <laughs> given away, shall we say, this year. Well, part time supporter. I'm not part time supporter, but when they're not playing very well, it's a long way to go. I have been up to the Crystal Palace game this year. Um, but just to give you an example, um, when Ben was very poorly, AD Mings is obviously involved with Chelsea now, so AD got us tickets. Um, to go and, no actually what AD got was the parking passes underneath the ground so we didn't have far to go because Ben was in a wheelchair by then uh, Jimmy Fraser who runs the academy got us one of Mason Manx England shirts Mason Manx signed the back and we sold it um, some of the Liverpool shirts so one of our ambassadors is a lad called James Pierce and James has got over a million followers on Twitter he's a massive Bath City fan but he obviously lives up in Liverpool now and uh when we get hold of a Liverpool shirt, so I bought one off Jamie Carragher's foundation a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was a framed, um, a framed Diaz shirt. So I got that through Carragher's foundation. I think we paid three hundred pound for that, and by the time we finished the raffle, it was nearly three thousand pound. Yeah, wow. So football's been massive to us. Eze, who plays for Crystal Palace, he's been in touch quite a few times and messaged me quite a few times. Um, Crystal Palace chairman Steve Parrish has given me shirts and tickets and yeah. VIP passes and I don't even know the guy obviously I've never met him I don't support Crystal Palace so but, but that's where football yeah. you know the, these these people do care and they don't get the publicity you know they, they're all the all the all the yeah and they don't want the publicity no. the Bath Rugby Club players down there so when it all happened Tom 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 Dunn and uh, Charlie Yules, who plays for England at rugby, they were in touch with Ben all the time when Ben was poorly. Callum O'Dowd gets a little bit of stick down at Bristol City, now plays for Cardiff. He sent me a Father's Day message. Yeah. Lovely touch. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I know what, well, <laughs> I seen, I seen my mum die of, die of cancer and it's not nice. And you know, we, as with Sport and Chance Project, we work with a young lad who had uh, blood leukemia young Frank and you know he's on treatment for three years uh, he's just had the all clear so you know it's a it's a horrible disease it's well disease. I can you know I lost my mum and dad to cancer and I don't even come close yeah so but seriously um, it's just a big thanks to you know people like even you know Darren and that room I it seems so stupid that once upon a time we were rivals and that's you know, your whole life changes and your whole everything changes and what becomes important to you is not not what was. But it's been quite good, like I said to you two. It's a collision of my worlds. I can talk to you guys about yeah. football and I've had some great times and I've only given you 10% of the bloody stories I could have given you. <laughs> but, but this is the reality of where, where me and my family are now. I still pay for Ben's mobile. I still... His bedroom's the same. Everything is just so sad. But really sad. And he was so handsome. If you see pictures of him, I know he's my son, but he was the nicest lad. Obviously he looks like your wife then. Yeah, they do, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they are, they're both 
absolute, they were both boys that if you took back to if you were a woman and you took them back to see meet your mum and dad they would be chuffed to bits because yeah. um, they they do get a lot of that behaviour from their mother um, we really appreciate you sharing with that and anybody that wants to sponsor get in, get in touch it's just giving Paige everything isn't there yeah it's not just about it's, it's more about if you come across a family that's got a problem or something like this so you're saying to me about the lad that you know everybody knows somebody just get them to get in touch with me yeah and the site only shuts for one month in January and my aim is to buy enough of these places that everybody in the end that gets diagnosed with cancer no matter what their age can have a holiday in the Cotswolds and remember my son yeah so it doesn't cost them anything um and that's it yeah in well heartbreaking very emotional thanks for sharing with, with, with our listeners but we ain't going to finish on, on that note Tom so we're going to ask you a couple of questions yeah. and they always come at the end yeah who's the best player you've ever played with and then I'm going to ask you who's the best player you've ever managed uh, well played with would have to be going back years probably um, Matthew Bound I suppose was was if you play in the Premier League for Southampton you ain't bad are you yeah. um, I also played with Jason Dodd for a little while down at Bath City yeah. um, forgot to say I managed Biddison under 15s and we had a little left winger called Darren Eady who ended up playing for England and Leicester City and Norwich oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so Darren Darren is one of my protégés I <laughs> remember telling him on Talk Sport a few years ago when we hadn't spoke for about 15 years that he owes everything to me um, so <laughs> We got through and said that. Yeah, I did, yeah. So, so do you know what? They, they had this thing right, on a Friday afternoon called the Fools Panel, and you had to phone up and you had to predict the results. So they said, today we've got special guest Darren Eady on there. Anyone want to come on against him? So I phoned him up and said, tell him it's the best manager he ever played for. And bear in mind, he played for Martin O'Neill and a few others. And he'll know straight away who it is. And I had spoken to him for 20 years. And... Uh, yeah, so I did, yeah. and I did tell him. <laughs> so Darren was very good. That he played for me, but the best player I played with was probably Matthew Banger, and that's I'm bound to say that as well because he's an ambassador for us, and he's gone beyond what any human being could do. But when he was 15 years old, he was just head and shoulders above everybody else, and he went on and had a great career. What about managed? Well, I would say yeah, I was going to say because we know him more as a manager. Who would you say? Yeah, was the best so that's really managed? difficult, isn't it? It is difficult, but there's someone like, you know, right, you so mentioned a few. Right? I'll have to sit on the fence, right? So my two best mates are not the best players I had, but they were good players. Shane Andrews, who would run for a brick wall for me, and Steve Brown, right? They're my yeah. two best mates. But the two best players w would be, without any question... Oh, it's fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> See, right. I was, you've mentioned Tang Zen. You said we scored a lot of goals. Yeah, he was my yeah. mate. He was my mate. How about Guernsey? Charlie Griffin. So, so Char Charlie Griffin was a great player. Great player or great goal scorer? Both. He could lead the line, he worked his tits off. He was a great goal scorer. You put yeah. in front of goal, you knew Charlie was going to score. Yeah. He just scored shitloads. Um, it's fucking hard. The best player, probably, not probably, he was the best player, was Steve Tweddle. Right? right? Burnsy was a beast and so hard. I mean, I took him off one day down at Taunton after about. 15 minutes we were 2-0 down and Taunton needed to win and Lee had a new girlfriend He's, it's now his wife lovely girl Vicky get on brilliant with him 
and and as you know, we went to the Euros final. You might not know we went to the Euros yeah. final, and I gave him I gave him COVID on the way back. <laughs> so we went to watch that. So me and Burnsy are still very very close. But one day I took him off down there. We were two 0 down, and Tottenham needed to win to win the league, and it took seven blokes to stop him knocking my head off. <laughs> And did I you swear. Off? Did he have a nightmare of 15 minutes? Yeah, it's shocking. Just posing for her, wasn't he? Just being a prima donna. Just being a prima donna, a pretty boy, and all the rest of it. And I just said, Sub Raph, he was my captain, mate. I know. Off, off you come. And he looked at me. I said, Off you come. And there was about 2,000 people there. That takes a lot of guts to do that. You've got to do it, haven't you? <laughs> we lost 3 2 in the end, but we got it back to 2 all. And when we went back to 2 all, I looked at him and said, See? Told you. <laughs> and then walked off the pitch at half time and it took another seven blokes to... so so Lee is as, Lee is as hard as nails but the best player was Tweddle so yeah. he got 51 goals one season in the Western League um, he then went on in the Southern League and done it he was fantastic I knew he wanted to go to Bath City and, and I could understand why um, because it was just an honour if you live locally to play for Bath but I refused to sell him to him so in the end, the crafty little shit, we sold him to Forest Green in the end, in the conference, and he lasted about a month there, and they sold him to Bath. So it was obviously already a done deal. But I don't hold it against him, but he was on a different level. Yeah. He, he was just dirty and horrible. We used to play Mangotsfield, and I used to adore Dave Elsie. He had the sweetest left foot. The boy could put the ball anywhere he wanted. And Blackie used to get everything to come through Elsie, even though he was playing left-sided centre-half. And all I used to say to Tweeds, you need to kill him. Right? <laughs> it's, it's not football because like it is nowadays. And I'd say, you used to be a soldier. Yeah. If we're going to win this war, Steve, you need to smack him. Yeah. And he used to just nail him. And Elsie used to look over to me. And Dave, I think he lives in America now, and he's messaged me quite a few times about the charity, so there's no hard feelings about it. But he'd do anything for me. Yeah. Just, just one last thing. Again, I've had the manager, any manager you come up against, and you say, oh, no, not him. Because I know the other way around, a lot of managers must have thought about you. Yeah, when they you did. That, there must be one way, but, oh, God, I got him on the other bench. There was, there was, so, yeah, there was <coughs> a couple. It's got to be Perrin, hasn't I'll give you one funny story. When you went to Yeovil, was that before John McGinley or after? No, I was played with John. Right, so you're like this. I don't know if you ever kept in touch with him, but you can ask him about this. He was manager at Gresley Rovers. And I had Mingsy with me. Gresley were third in the league at the time. We were second. Hal's own was top. We went away to Gresley. And I thought, I'm going to have some fun with this boy. Because he's a proper, bloody broad jockey, isn't he? Yeah. So we've walked off and the change rooms are behind the stand at Gresley. And I've got, being brave, because I've got Mingsy next to me again, haven't I? <laughs> right? There's a common fiend going through here. Shane's <laughs> got to be there or means he's got to be there. And if they're there, I'm confident. So I said to John McGinley, fucking hell, you're not going to be a manager very long. This is as we're walking off. I said, Scottish International, yeah. Yeah. Premier League. Oh, great player. I said, I said um, entertainment factor nil. You are at home. You have to come and attack us. We then score a late winner, we fuck off, and you lose. <laughs> That's what's supposed to happen today. You are not playing the game. You are not trying to attack us, therefore there's two teams not trying to attack. We might as well go now. You haven't got a clue, I said to him. So we've gone round the back of the stand, literally we're out of sight then of everybody, and he has tried to kill me. Means he's had to drag him off. And how he managed to get me into the changing room, I don't know. The worst story to that is the game finished 0-0 and it was shit, but we kissed and made up because yeah. that's what you do, and we shook hands. Yeah. 
And I bought the non-league paper the next day and the headline on the front was that John McGinley was in mourning. He had lost both his mum and his dad 10 days prior to that game. Oh, right. Again, you so don't know what's going on. I got straight on the phone to him and I apologised. And do you know what? He said, Tommy, it was the best thing that could have happened because I wanted to kill someone and you just volunteered yourself. <laughs> and, and Brilliant. So, so there was him. Any managers I didn't want to come across um, didn't get on... Didn't get on Amazingly well with Steve Fay, funnily enough. Mm -hmm. um, I remember he went on holiday one day and I knew when he was boarding the plane because I spoke to Rich. And as soon as he had got on the plane, I had arranged to meet Rudgy and I signed Rudgy on a two year <laughs> I signed Rudgy on a I signed Rudgy on a two year deal and what a player Nathan was for me. Two seasons two, beast. Yeah. two seasons, two promotions, got him for nothing, sold him for five thousand pounds to Tiverton. I didn't want to sell him, by the way, but the chairman, by then, at Chippenham, had got it into his head that he'd rather have ex-professionals playing there. But that was a mistake by Rudgy leaving, although he got a lovely wife now, so good luck to him. But he should, we would have done much more at Chippenham than Marilyn Tiverton. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get on great with Steve Fay. Um, there's always Tommy Callahan used to proper scare me, the man at Gloucester. So mm. one, day, one day I asked him for... Uh, permission to speak to Matthew Rawlings who was top scorer in the Southern League then and we were only like in the Western League and I met Matthew at the Globe just down the road from here and I had a the tax man's not listening I had an envelope full of cash and I said to Matthew Rawlings what are you on at Gloucester and he said 140 quid I said right okay and you're on contract no I'm not I knew he wasn't on contract I knew he wasn't on 140 quid he was a liar but I knew <laughs> I knew I knew what I was going to give him so I said I just got to go to the toilet and when I come back Matt was looking through this envelope because I deliberately left that there <laughs> right it was £1,500 and £20 notes and he said what's that I said that's for you to go on holiday Matthew all you've got to do is sign this three year <laughs> contract yeah. there sign this three year contract there and I said there's £200 a week I said and uh, thank you very much so anyway he signed a three year contract took the £1,500 walked out everyone was happy my chairman was over the moon we were over the moon he was going to play up front with Tweedle one person wasn't over the moon and that was Tommy and <laughs> I don't think I've ever been so scared in all my life and I walked into a game one night at Melksham and as I walked through the gate someone said to me oh Tommy Callahan's over there and I literally turned around got in the car and I, <laughs> and I went and so there was him um, but obviously there is no Tommy Saunders without Darren Perrin is there so it went on for years we really didn't like each other um, you know we, I used to think to myself, if I got murdered when I was younger, like up to probably the age of 25, they wouldn't have to go very far to find the person who did <laughs> <laughs> and, there was times when, and, there was, and there was times when I used to think, I wonder where I could get him on his own. And we could just, <laughs> we could just go and... Yeah, okay, this is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> but not, not now, as a man... Yeah. Uh, what he does at Melksham, he's living the dream, isn't he? For him, he's he's yeah. he's living the dream. He's got a fantastic setup down there. His dad is a great bloke, so I think his dad always knew that we were just a pair of dickheads, really. And it was the testosterone, the hormones. I tell you one last story, so people don't know this. Darren played for me, right? And this is true as I'm here. So he's gone, so he can't come back now because he's had his <laughs> he's had his say. And these are the Where two. Was this, two? this was at Carr. Oh, right. So this is the two things that, that, that 
started the rivalry we played together one day me and him so you imagine that right <laughs> I'm playing holding midfield and he's playing sweeper oh, yeah, at Torrington at, at, <laughs> at, at Torrington and it's pissing down the <laughs> rain and it's just mud and it's they got a little, little lad on the wing Kev I think he's a manager now eh? Kev his name was and a little skinny thing and basically me and Darren just kept taking it in turns to kick him right because it's what we had to do it we drew nil nil anyway that ain't the story we had New Year's Day Bristol Manor Farm away so we were meeting in the Hare and Hounds car park in Caution Darren's sitting there in a car right not sure who was driving him and he had a black scouse curly wig on and a tash and looked like he couldn't even keep his eyes open and we're going to play a Western League Premier Division game what's going on Darren well we had a deal on down the club he was still melts from through and through but playing for Khan because he had fallen out with Mel so that didn't go down well we lost 3-0 and we were dreadful he was not alone in being dreadful we were all dreadful but then two weeks later we had training on a Saturday and he made an excuse up why he couldn't come which I won't go into now but it was right and he wasn't going to be about all day because he was going to be busy and the training finished down Bath Sports Centre at 1 o'clock I went into Melchant Town and he was sat in the stand watching the game Darren so that's really where the rivalry started yeah. but but that he, he was you know he, he a very 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 good manager 100% committed to it and uh, we had some great games against each other yeah. so and, probably, you, and you've made up now yeah it's probably a score draw if the truth be told yeah. he beat me a few times I beat him a few times and uh, I remember watching him win the Wiltshire Shield for, for Melksham they had a cracking side it was the year that we got the Wembley and even though we got the Wembley I still wanted to kill him because he had won the Wiltshire Shield in Swindon. <laughs> I'm not saying for one second yeah. I could have because he probably yeah. would have won because, yeah. you know, but... Fair play, Tom. So, no. that's it. Yeah. Tom, absolutely fantastic. Thanks for sharing. It has been, well, I watering to say the least and really appreciate your time. From Painter and Rico, winging it, Thanks very much, Tommy Saunders. Keep up the good work. Thank yeah. you, boys. Cheers, Tom.